Welcome to Central Valley Podcasts, developed by Fresno Madero Medical Society physician members. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm the executive director here at the Medical Society. Today, we're here with Dr. Cesar Vasquez, and he's going to talk about some pediatric questions that we have when it comes to vaccinations. Um, So welcome, doctor. Hi, thank you very much for this opportunity to discuss some uh, important uh, concepts uh, pertaining to immunizations today. Thank you, Nicole and Kaylee. I'm looking forward to to interviewing with you. Great. And that's right. Um, We have Kaylee Fonts as well with us today. Hi there, doctor. (laughs) She's got any questions. So um, as a mom of small children, I always have, you know, you always have uh, the question when it comes Mm. to vaccinations, because there has been a lot of things in the media, especially lately when it comes to um, vaccinations. And so Mm. my first question is, is how do I know which vaccinations my child needs and when um, they should receive them? Yeah, it's a great question. So the vaccine program has uh, been established uh, many dec- decades ago, and uh, it's uh, a very well-researched, uh, very well-planned uh, type of um, uh, program for protecting children against uh, very serious infections that we no longer see. The guidelines, I would call them, are published by very important institutions in our country, the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, the Academy of Pediatrics, and a few other uh, organizations that publish a, um, a, a schedule, if you will. Anybody can pull this up on the Internet, uh, just say AAP vaccine schedule, and it'll show you the uh, timing of when to give the vaccines and how many you give, um, and so on. There's more details that when it comes to the, the, the brands, there's a few brands of vaccines that um, doctors can choose to give or not give, uh, depending on the, um, uh, the contracts they have. But all in all, it's the same vaccines for pretty much everybody. The, the guidelines apply to all children uh, from uh, age, from birth until age, um, well, 18, basically. Okay, so mm. one of the questions I have is, is why is it so, if, if these um, diseases are no mm. longer out there, why is mm. it so important for children to get vaccinated? So that's a great question. So the diseases are no longer out there because of the very fact that we have high vaccine rates in this country, right? So uh, the, the current rates are about 95 plus percent uh, in, in this, this uh, uh, country. And the uh, idea of um, not vaccinating because those diseases are not not there anymore uh, is um, essentially not um, uh, a logical one because if you stop vaccinating and the vaccine rates drop below a certain percentage, you are going to start seeing pockets of outbreaks. And we've seen this recently. We've seen in many different states. Uh, we've seen measles outbreaks recently in Disneyland, and we've seen pertussis outbreaks. And these are diseases that we really hadn't uh, come across uh, for, for a while. But when parents are not uh, taking their kids to be vaccinated, those children are vulnerable to those diseases, and they do come back. We have data that goes back to the 40s and 50s showing the uh, thousands of children that uh, succumb actually to these diseases, for example, measles and mumps and rubella, polio, pertussis, meningitis, all of these diseases, of course, we don't see them. Thank God we don't see them anymore. But it's because of these vaccines, a powerful effect of the vaccines, helping to prevent 
the, the diseases from happening again. And we can get into the details about how that happens, the immune system, how that works. But essentially, we have hard proof and evidence that vaccines do work and they're very important. Great. And I, um, you know, you mentioned a minute ago that there's different types of brands out there. How do, how does a mom bringing their, you know, two month old Mm -hmm. child in, how do they know that these vaccines are safe Mm -hmm. and that the physician is choosing the right per se brand, but you're saying there's not a lot of difference between the, the, the two different brands or the multiple brands that are out there. Right. You know, that, that's a, that's another very good question. Uh, the vaccines are safe. Uh, The, the, companies, uh, there's not that many companies that produce vaccines. There's like three or four big companies. And it's, it's a long, drawn-out process to be able to get approved to, for these vaccines to be uh, used safely in humans. Uh, there are, they use them on volunteers, uh, thousands of them. Uh, once a new vaccine is introduced, uh, they have to go through a series of steps in order for them to get proper approval before they are released to the, the, to the public for, uh, for general use. So I wouldn't really focus too much on the brand, but rather, okay, is this vaccine, on what is the vaccine uh, preventing? It could be hepatitis A, hepatitis B, it could be meningitis. Uh, and, uh, and so most doctors look at uh, what's available to them through their local network of physicians. Sometimes you get uh, better rates depending on um, the, how many are being purchased by the, the, the group of doctors that they work with, for example. But there's not that, it's not like there's 20 different brands. There's like a couple for each vaccine, basically, and essentially the same thing, maybe some minor differences. But the, the, the important thing is that when you look at the studies and the the, the immunity protection it provides, in order for them to be approved, they have to provide appropriate um, um, protection. Otherwise, it would not be approved. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think it's the, the brand is more like uh, the timing of when it can be given uh, versus uh, uh, that, that's essentially what it is, is kind of when can it be given and how many doses, for example, there's um, uh, a, a relatively new vaccine called um, for meningitis B. It's a very serious infection that it, uh, attacks or affects uh, young people, uh, college students for the, for the most part. And there's been outbreaks of that uh, recently in this country. So there's been two vaccines introduced. I won't mention the brand names, but basically there's essentially two that are approved to be used in this country. Well, one of them is two doses. The other one's three doses. Okay, you know, they, and, and the doctor can choose whether they want to do this in two doses versus three doses. That's really the, the major differences. But they both protect against this particular uh, bacteria that's extremely dangerous. As somebody that's had um, viral meningitis in the past, um, oh, I would wow. highly recommend getting those vaccinations yeah. at, at any right. given time. Yeah. So when, um, you know, when you go out there doing the research, you're more looking at what are the vaccines doing? And I know there's a lot in the, in the web world Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, that it has that parents are talking about vaccination and how it's linked to autism. Mm -hmm. And I've read both sides of the story. And I know there's a lot of um, medical um, reports and journals Mm -hmm. out there that says absolutely nothing that relates the two together. But how do you, how, what would you say to a mother to overcome that fear? You know, once again, bringing in their young child to Mm -hmm. get vaccinated. And then, um, some of the stories that you see out there is the very next day, I see a difference, you know, and you know, it's not necessarily medical, but there's a fear. I think, I think a lot of parents have fears. 
Absolutely. I, I think that um, it's important to answer the questions of the parents. Every parent wants the best for their children. As providers, we, we have to uh, um, embrace them and uh, allow them to, to, to ask the questions. And I think having a good conversation, explaining to them the science behind it, explaining to them your uh, knowledge of, 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 the, of why it's important to vaccinate and the fact that the, all of the connections between autism or any other disease for that matter, because vaccines have been blamed on a lot of other things, but the, 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 the major sort of hallmark of, of, of these complaints uh, fall on the autism uh, child or the autism um, disorder, which I think is still, nobody knows exactly what it, it's caused by, but uh, it appears to be a, a combination of multi it's multiple like factors, uh, and a lot of it can be genetic and perhaps environmental. But to answer the question, th there's really never been a link, a direct link, a causal if, if, uh, a link between autism and uh, and vaccines, especially the the MMR, which is the one that sort of always comes um, comes up in conversations. The reports that showed a, a possible link uh, were based on eleven children, a study in. Uh, in England from this Dr. Wakefield, uh, who has since uh, retracted his findings and he, his license was stripped away. And um, the other doctors that were involved in the study also uh, um, uh, basically uh, said that the, 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 the results were not, were fraudulent, essentially. Uh, the, all this information is out there on the web. And, and so as a provider, I always tell parents, to feel reassured that there's really no connection between any kind of preservative or ingredient or adjuvant in the vaccine and your child's um, future health, essentially. Okay, but, and I've seen this too, when, when you give an immunization, mm -hmm. depending on what type of immunization it is, a child kind of gets, kind of like when you get the flu shot, mm -hmm. you kind of get a little mm -hmm. yucky after a couple right. days afterwards. Is that still the case with most vaccinations or some of the vaccinations? Some of the say? vaccines, uh, there, there's three big categories of vaccines. One of them is uh, these live uh, attenuated viruses. In other words, you're introducing, and the flu vaccine is an example right. of that, you're introducing a very weakened version of the, of the flu vaccine. And it is possible for some people to feel a little bit uh, kind of under the weather uh, a few days after that. But I always tell them, if you feel this way with a vaccine, imagine if you got the real flu, which yeah. uh, this year we've had a very serious uh, season uh, with lots of unfortunate uh, deaths uh, that happened because of that. And, uh, and, and so I think it's still, even if you get a partial protection, uh, no vaccine is going to be 100%. I think people have to understand that as well. But whatever protection is given, it's, um, uh, it's still going to be beneficial to the patient to prevent or minimize uh, a serious uh, complication of that particular infection. In this case, we're talking about the flu. Uh, other vaccines, basically local reactions, maybe redness at the site of the injection, maybe a little swelling, but those are very minor um, reactions. And yes, there are cases where you might see a more severe reaction, high fever, maybe a seizure, but we're talking about in the millions, okay? One in a million, you know, okay. it's not something that happens. I've been practicing for... 17, 18 years now, and I've, I'm yet to see a serious reaction to a vaccine. Okay. okay. So that's just my personal experience. 
Okay, so say you have your 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 young child, and they've, for some reason, <clears throat> regardless what the reason is, mm-hmm. had uh, received a vaccine, had mm-hmm. received vaccines, so mm-hmm. wasn't able to get into a doctor, the right. insurance issue, whatever the mm-hmm. case might be. Mm-hmm. At what point is it? too late to have a vaccine or is that not even is it, it can any child it's, have a vaccine it's never that's a good question it's never too late uh, just like we have the guidelines that show us the routine standard schedule starting at two months and four months and six months there's also an alternative schedule for catch-up vaccines we call them uh, so say, for instance, you have a child, maybe he's from abroad, uh, perhaps there's been a, a lapse in care, uh, poor access to uh, seeing regular um, uh, doctor visits. Uh, and for one reason or another, this is a very common problem, especially in uh, two household incomes, a lot of uh, chaos in the home, and perhaps some of the kids get neglected sometimes and not brought to see the doctors on a timely basis. I see this all the time. And so no problem. We can pick up where we left off. You don't have to start the series over. You basically just uh, continue with the vaccine schedule. And there's a catch-up schedule that is very well delineated to fast-track that kid onto... So say, for instance, you've, you have a, a five-year-old who's never been vaccinated. Well, it's time to kind- for kindergarten now. Well, we can get him all caught up uh, in, uh, in a matter of months um, to where he's completely immunized and not a threat to himself or to anybody else. So you, you still hear about parents that just don't believe in vaccinations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and now it's, it's become... A requirement. Well, right. it still is a requirement, but it, you know there was a lot of talk with um, with schools not requiring it, right. so that that didn't pass mm-hmm. with, within the state. Mm-hmm. Do you do you just find those parents that just have mm-hmm. no? We're not going to do it. We're just going to take our chances now. Is that is that making it worse for other kids that they're yeah. around? So I think there's a couple of uh, good good questions. Uh, there's a couple of. Um, Thoughts on that one. Uh, first of all, some parents are very savvy and, and they understand the concept of herd immunity. Herd immunity means that your child is going to benefit from the immunization of the community. So you are not proceeding to vaccinate your child because of a variety of different uh, concerns and and, um, and doubts about whether this is necessary or not, but you are very well, um, uh, you understand that, uh, that your child's being protected because of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of everybody else. So that's one uh, reason why a parent w- wouldn't want to vaccinate. And you're right. There's a bill, uh, Senate Bill 277, that was signed by our governor, Jerry Brown, where it eliminated the personal belief provision, meaning that you no longer can opt out of vaccinations just because you have a personal belief that this is not um, appropriate for your child. Children have to, if they're going to be in any kind of school, be, be it public, daycare, private schools, uh, you can look at the bill and kind of understand how broad this is. The The people that are an exception to that are, are homeschooled children or if you have a private school in your own home, basically. And, and sometimes parents resort to those that extent in order to uh, avoid vaccinating their children. One of the other things that comes up also that just that I think it's unfair for for other children 
to perhaps be put in harm's way because of a child not being vaccinated. So case in point, I say, for instance, uh, I've got a waiting room uh, full of uh, infants. They're partially vaccinated, right? They're two, four months, six months old. Uh, and now you have this five-year-old that comes in coughing, spewing, all kinds of stuff, you know. And sure enough, they have pertussis. So all those other children in your waiting room have been exposed to pertussis because that child was not vaccinated. That's one of the reasons why some pediatricians and other doctors perhaps turn away those those parents because they don't want them to become a uh, a threat or liability for those other children that are are not fully immunized yet. Okay, so my next question is is what are the different types of mm-hmm. vaccinations out there and what do you what do you think are, are the highest recommendation that a child should get? I mean, because mm-hmm. I know the flu vaccine is, kind of, you know, every year is a kind of a little questionable. Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I encourage my, right. <laughs> my entire family to get it. Um, but what, what are the, the necessity vaccinations mm-hmm. that every child should have? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. So it goes back to the schedule. So pediatricians are, are sort of mandated to follow the, the schedule that's uh, provided by the Academy of Pediatrics or the CDC. Uh, we really don't want to make too many changes or create your own schedule. Uh, however, there are circumstances where parents might ask, uh, can I change the schedule or can can I separate the vaccines? It's a very common question. Can I... Uh, give them in parts or come in uh, during multiple visits in order to vaccinate my kids just to sort of they call them spreading them out and unfortunately there's been some other doctors who've promoted this idea uh, where they spreading them out is safer for the for, for for that baby with a young immune system i would not recommend that so the, the schedule essentially, if you wanted to get more specific, uh, there's about 11 diseases currently that are part of the, the vaccine schedule for vaccination uh, between infancy or between the newborn period until you're in kindergarten. And then there's a, that's the first stage or first series. And then there's a, a few other ones that come up in adolescence, like at, uh, after age 11. And then you have some of the adult vaccinations like the pneumonia vaccines and the shingles vaccines, but I usually don't, don't, don't deal with that. Uh, did you want to know like specific diseases or? No, no, I think that's uh-huh. a, it's a good overview. Uh-huh. I mean, I, you know, I, one I hear, and I don't necessarily, this could have been years ago, I could be dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> I would hear a booster shot. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. a booster shot? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, a way to continue to stimulate the immune system to provide a full protection uh, for that particular disease. In other words, and again, I mean, this has been sorted out and researched and analyzed much more thoroughly than I can imagine by the scientists that are uh, involved in creating the vaccines. But in general, in order to be fully protected, you have to stimulate the immune system just, just because of basic physiology and the way the immune system works over a period of, of, of steps. In other words, for example, you take the hepatitis B vaccine. Well, the first one is given at birth or the first month of life, and that stimulates the immune system to begin developing antibodies because that's really what you're doing. You're introducing part of the germ, whether it's a protein or a carbohydrate or they call them antigens um, or a toxin. 
Uh, so, for example, diphtheria is another disease we used to see. Well, the vaccine is composed of a toxin. So you introduce a very tiny amount of that toxin, and the immune system says, whoa, okay, we need to this fight is an invader. We need yeah. to fight it. So you build up the the, uh, the immune system. You don't want to overwhelm the immune system with a full dose of these vaccines uh, because that may not be the right thing to do. So as uh, instead, you, you do it on a gradual basis. So boosters, for example, the, the classic boosters usually happen in kindergarten where a child has been vaccinated. They've gone through their fourth year. Now they're ready for preschool or kindergarten, and so they're coming in for a polio, which would be like the fourth polio that's usually given, because the reason a booster is also needed is that the... I said immunization is not 100 percent, but there's they, they, the the effect. The antibodies wean off over time, and that is the reason why we have to get a tetanus shot every 10 years, right? Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. So you get a tetanus shot because we know well it doesn't last forever, and one of the few infections that um, I think scientists and pharmaceutical companies are having a hard time dealing with is a pertussis. Because it seems like no matter how many times you vaccinate with a pertussis, there's always outbreaks. And that probably reflects the own human body ability to mount an immune response. And just the, the duration of that uh, protection is not, doesn't last very long. That's just unique to pertussis. Most of the other vaccines are pretty, pretty durable. They, they last uh, for, for many, many years. So when you go back to the kindergarten stage, uh, you get a polio, it's a booster, you get uh, an MMR again, so measles, mumps, rubella, and you get another chicken pox. And usually that covers you in a DTAP, sorry, the DTAP is a diphtheria, tetanus, and uh, pertussis. So usually that covers you and protects your body uh, through the rest of your childhood, essentially. Because mm-hmm. uh, usually as you, we get older, our immune system uh, is not um, as vulnerable as it was when you were younger, essentially. So you're not going to be uh, vaccinating people for measles their whole life or anything like that. It, it's, it's only during that f- initial stages of childhood that's needed. Yeah, when you're around all of those other germy mm-hmm. kids. Right. So um, on a side note, what's protessa? Uh, pertussis. So pertussis is whooping cough. Oh, okay. Okay. So right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's, it's it's a good question because that's actually the the probably the most common, common infection, right. yeah. vaccine preventable infection that that's coming up. That's coming up. Yeah. You know, over and over. That one, and uh, of course influenza, and that's mm-hmm. a year year round. Um, uh, not a year round, but uh, it, it, every year every they year have to it. change the. the and the, you the, see yeah. that that as. Um, Every year, you have more and more people in your office getting flu shots. Or is I think it the of- trend is about the same. Okay, uh, and it's hard to to determine that in a solo practice like mine, right? Uh, if, when I was in a group practice, I think that the uh, you know you, you you have to start ordering flu vaccine around this time of the year right. for this following for the season. Fall, yeah. Uh, and I think over the years, yes, uh, there's been an increase in the, the demand for the vaccine mm-hmm. because I think people do realize that uh, the, some protection is better than no protection. And also, if you get the flu, well, you may be able to handle it. But what about your household members mm-hmm. and your family younger and children. loved ones and younger mm-hmm. children? Exactly. Yeah. So it is important. I think certain 
uh, people in certain workforces, like in the healthcare environment, they, they, they need to get their flu vaccine um, right. yearly to protect the patients, basically. Yeah, and, and themselves. I mean, I, it, I yeah. get my flu shot every year. My children get their flu shot every year, but my husband does not. And I'm like, you're the one that's going to get sick. Yeah. But, and then get everyone and, else sick. But no, that's right. what he says. He says, well, if you guys have all had your flu shot, I'm around you. You're healthy. Right. You're not going to get it. That I'm not going to get it. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I get that. I mean, there are people, let's face it, that are very healthy. Uh, and they, they know themselves. They don't get sick that often. Uh, I realize that uh, good for them. I, I think that that's great. But it only takes one bad flu to really <laughs> get you into hospital and become very, very sick. Yeah. Uh, I look at vaccines as a, as a seatbelt. So I tell parents, for example, well, do you know the time and date you're going to get into a car accident? Mm-hmm. And they go, no. Well, um, that's why you wear your seatbelt because you're protected all the time. So I don't know when I'm going to be exposed to meningitis or pertussis or the flu. So I'd rather have a seatbelt or an umbrella uh, around, um, you know, my immune system in order to protect for those off chance encounters with people. They just don't know uh, what they're what they're carrying or the extent of what it can be. Oh, precisely. What? um, So my last question is, is so. You know, there's a lot of children in the valley that don't necessarily have health insurance. Can right. they still get vaccinated if they don't have health insurance? Absolutely. Uh, that's why we have a very strong health department. Uh, every city, every district, uh, county uh, has this health department to provide these services for for children. These are government programs that are designed to capture those folks that are have limited means they don't have access to care transportation problems low socioeconomic statuses where they can walk into the health department in fresno and uh, basically receive their vaccines Uh, of course vaccines is just part of a well-balanced sort of uh, medical care Mm -hmm. exactly but uh, we try to connect those folks with proper providers in order for them to receive not just the vaccines, but just basically good uh, general pediatric care uh, in order to prevent other diseases like tooth decay, which is another public health problem and things like that, or malnutrition. But yeah, they can go to the health department and get their vaccines, no problem. Okay, great. I had no idea that was even available, so yeah. that's great. So, um, Dr. Vasquez, if... if um, if a parent wanted to contact you for to bring their child for vaccinations mm-hmm. and or mm-hmm. um, healthy uh, health visit, yeah. um, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Or so, where, yeah. where is your office? My office is, so I'm in um, a solo practice and I share office space with another pediatrician, Dr. Uh, Shaheenfar, Dr. Kathy Shaheenfar. We are at 7125 North Chestnut Avenue, so Chestnut and Herndon. And I'm accepting patients. So basically, the family would just call and uh, talk to our office manager, Connie, and, um, and they can schedule an appointment uh, to be seen. Yeah. My, I go um, to a small pediatrician's office, and I really enjoy it because I know that my sometimes my mm. if I have a sick child, I don't want, you know, twofold. I don't want her to be exposed to other sick children right. or me expose my sick child to them so i i enjoy and there's great practices out there that have multiple physicians i'm not saying don't go to them but there is something to be said about a a solo small practice when there's only a couple physicians in there and you you know there's only one or two three one to two people in the office waiting to see it's a a personal choice i i think that the the 
decision to, to go to a particular doctor it really falls on the, the parents. Uh, chemistry with the physician, I think it's important to get to know the, the doctor, maybe meet them. Some doctors um, offer prenatal visits where you might come in in your third trimester of pregnancy and just kind of visit the doctor and just have a little chat and um, just see, um, look at the office space and so on. But it is uh, important to feel comfortable in your environment. Uh, the, some practices offer weekend hours and maybe in a solo practice that that's not a uh, possibility mm-hmm. uh, and so and then other people just want to be able to be seen the same day and that's obviously we strive to do that as much as possible but on busy winter season sometimes you might have to wait a day you know to, wow, to be a whole seen. day to get into the doctor's <laughs> office that's nothing compared it's, to my yes. see my doctor right. but that you know that you bring up a, a good point with a good question mm-hmm. you know there are a lot of first-time moms out there and i know vaccination mm-hmm. is one of their top um, priorities when it comes to questions so do you see a third trimester mm. um, mom in your office if they want to come do a visit and just interview mm. and talk with you? Do you guys do that there? Yes, uh, that happens not as frequently as I would imagine. Mm. Uh, a lot of times the parents just when they go into labor, they deliver the baby and then they think about the pediatrician at that, that time. That would be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My pediatrician came in and saw the baby in the hospital and yeah. that's who I chose. <laughs> right, right, right. That's usually how it goes. But uh, if you have time to think about this, you can, uh, first of all, ask your, your friends or family members. Uh, sometimes uh, now with the internet, anybody can pull up uh, Yelp or uh, doctor ratings and you can read about their profile and some doctors have their website. And uh, you, you, there's a lot of ways to get information about um, that, that particular practice. But I think uh, it, it's really nice to be able to just have this interaction just in, in person with, uh, with the doctor to, to kind of get a feel of the practice and how things go. Yeah. And that's when we usually discuss the, the, their, their philosophy. What, what are their thoughts on, on vaccination and what are my thoughts? And can we uh, come to an agreement? And uh, I tend to be more flexible. And if I have a parent that's just a little bit on the fence, they're not sure they want to commit to full-on vaccination. I say, you know, I'm, we can we can give it some time. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Just be aware that your child would be vulnerable during that period of time. Uh, a lot of parents worry about the the the, the ingredients of the vaccines, right? And uh, and, and the, the child's over immune system being overwhelmed. Well, when, when babies are born and they, they're by C-section or during the the uh, natural uh, birthing process. They, they're exposed to tons of bacteria and flora. Their immune system is stimulated. There's more um, aluminum, for example, which is one of the preservatives that are used in vaccines. There's more aluminum in breast milk than there are in vaccines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's more aluminum in our air and our water, so in the food supply. And aluminum is cleared from the body. That's one of the concerns that people talk about. So it's, uh, it's uh, the, the most common metal in our environment. And so, yes, they use a little bit of the aluminum, but it's a fraction of the amount that you get just from just they're being alive. Getting, yeah, yeah, they're already getting. Yeah. Uh, the other one is the mercury. Well, the mercury that's used in vaccines uh, called thimerosal, that's been taken out since like 1991. Uh, the only vaccine that still contains a little bit of mercury, and it's a preservative, is the flu vaccine, the multi-dose. So if you have a vial where you pull out multiple doses, yes, it has a little bit of mercury, but all of the other vaccines have com- been completely uh, uh, devoid of, uh, of any, any mercury. And the type of mercury that was used in vaccines is is sort of this soluble one that's gets cleared from its uh, 
ethyl mercury ra rather than methyl mercury. Methyl. methyl mercury you get from eating salmon or the, you know deep water fishes or something like that. But but yeah, so so those are the main concerns, the ingredients, the adjuvants. Are we overwhelming the immune system? And and nothing could be further from the truth. These babies are perfectly capable of, uh, of their immune system. The amount that's uh, of antigen that's delivered is so small that it's uh, nothing compared to what they're exposed to on a daily basis. Just in the environment. Just in the environment, exactly. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I, I hope that this was helpful and that uh, parents are, um, I, I believe in equipping uh, themselves with information and knowledge. You know, po uh, knowledge is power. Uh, luckily, we have great resources. There's, uh, I was going to pull up a, uh, a, a reliable information about vaccines. There's so many, but uh, there's a doctor, his name is uh, Paul Offit, O-F-F-I-T. He works in um, the East Coast of Philadelphia, and he's connected with the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And he has a, a lots of a lots of information about vaccines. But you can go to aap.org, the vaccines.org, immunize.org. Then there's ones called vaccine.chop.chop.edu. All of these places have uh, and of course the cdc.gov uh, has lots of information um, much much more than what we talked about that talks about vaccines but bottom line I would would you recommend that everybody should start with talking to their pediatrician and mm -hmm. then going after the research or bringing the research in and mm -hmm. having that discussion with their pediatrician I mean you, you know there's there, there's a ton of information out there there's a lot and it's, it's kind of like where do you start and yeah. you know where do you well, stop? Well I think um, some doctors look at it this way they might say well uh, I want to be your, your, your doctor but I also need a trusting relationship so doctors feel like if the parent is not prepared to trust the, 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 the pediatrician on the recommendations of vaccines, how do that how does that pediatrician know they're going to be trusted when it comes to other problems that the child might have, mm -hmm. whether it's a growth problem or developmental problem or another type of infection? And so that's where that trust relationship might break down. So you, I agree I, that the, 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 the parent should really understand the physician's uh, ideals and principles in order for them to feel comfortable and confident that the, the doctor is doing the best they can for that child. If they don't trust them with the vaccines, then there's no reason to continue the relationship in some cases, right? Because there's going to be a lot of things that happen in right. the child's life, right? And so uh, they're going to be seeing that pediatrician many, many times over those years. And that's a great perspective to look at it, though. Mm -hmm. You know, you do, you put a lot of trust and um, heart into seeing your doctor and asking him sometimes a lot of personal questions about yourself mm -hmm. and about your family. And mm -hmm. if you don't trust them, then yeah, you're right. Yeah. That why would why would the doctor want to see you? Yeah. <laughs> so right, right. Okay. Well, okay. Well, thank you for your you're time. Welcome. I appreciate it, and yeah. um, I hope you have a good day. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much.